story. So it's good to see all of you again and uh, thankful for the fact that we can worship in person. Okay, a couple of uh, announcements. I mean, prayer requests. I think for now that's most of the announcements. Everything should be either on the screen or in that newsletter that I mentioned. But um, y'all pray for Donnie Buckner. He had to have a stent put in a couple of days ago, but he's doing well. That's Erica's father. Also, speaking of Erica, I wasn't sure what service she would be at, but uh, a couple of weeks ago on Easter Sunday, it was her birthday. And guess who forgot it? So today I'm going to present to her a gift certificate to indulge salon and day spa from our church. That's just for your information. So if you see Erica, say to her, happy belated birthday. All right. So we're grateful for what she does for our children and our children's ministry. Also, Miss Beverly Wiggins um, has been moved to CPCU room, room 358 in the hospital. So she is improving, but she's still struggling with pneumonia issues. So let's remember Miss Beverly in our prayers. Okay, any other special announcements or prayer requests? He is not well. Thank you. Yeah, he's on our prayer list. Um, Micah informed me that he's pretty close to, to death. That, that's what I heard. So let's pray for uh, a lot of you know Kenny Brown. And also the, the Larry Brown family. Larry Brown did pass away. Miss Teresa, do you? Okay. Y'all pray for Miss Teresa's grandson Lance. Yes. Yeah, our, our friend Bruce, um, how's he doing? Okay. Tra Travanon. Trevenin. Trevenin. Bruce Trevenin. Okay. Excuse me, Lisa Smith Smitherman. Terry, were you saying something? Yeah. Great. Gr gr grateful that he is improving. Alan, why don't you make your way up here? Let's stand. Alan's one of our deacons, and uh I sprung on him this morning reading a psalm that I think relates to the sermon. It's Psalm 1. Uh, I think Jeff said it's his favorite psalm. So um, let's go ahead and prepare our hearts to re receive the word and, and, and not only receive it, but plan to obey it. So thank you, Alan, for being our reader. And if you'll pray for us, please. <clears throat> psalm. psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the, the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds this morning. Lord, you know all the things that we have on our minds and that go on our lives day to day, as well as the prayers that have been mentioned. We just pray that your divine intervention is done in all of these things, Lord, and you continually remind us daily that we all we have to do is come to you and have an advocate with the Father and that you can console us and hear all that we have to bring to you. We pray that you would be with Neil as he brings your word. Allow it to permeate our hearts and our minds as we focus in on you today and allow your spirit to come in and dwell in us. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and for his sake we pray. Amen. Good morning. We're going to begin worship this morning with singing My Savior's Love.
Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, this time of worship. And just especially thank you for your love and your kindness and compassion for us. And I, I thank you for what um, you did at the cross for us. You, you, you nailed my sin to the cross and, and took it away. And I, I'm grateful to be your child, God. And Lord, I, I don't know if I'll be alive tomorrow or next week but what I do know God that um, that one day I'll be with you in heaven and I'm, I'm grateful for what you did for me and I just pray that we'd open our ears and our hearts and our minds and that we'd worship you this morning and hear what you have to say these things I ask in the name of Jesus amen amen Six. I don't know if the popping is me or something else. My hunch is that it's me, so bear with me as we, as we open the Word and uh, prepare ourselves for whatever shocks may come, uh, both literally and figuratively. Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 37. We are still in Luke's Sermon on the Plain, and so this is our third message from this particular sermon that Jesus preached to his disciples. Last week, Bryson uh, both challenged and encouraged us to uh, be merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful. So I'm going to pick up with verse 37, but before I do, I'm going to read 35 and 36 because I think obviously this is a continuous thought from where Jesus was to where he's taking us today. In, in, in what the Father uh, demands of us in our lives as, as His children. Now, one thing I think we tried to emphasize the last few weeks is because Jesus was raised from the dead, because He is the risen Lord and Savior, that gives full weight and authority to everything that He taught. In other words, if you want to know how to live, do what the man did who rose from the dead. I'm going to go with the risen one, right? So following the resurrection, everything that Jesus said, the Holy Spirit brought to them recall. And so then the disciples began to change and grow and become what Jesus taught them to be along the way. So uh, I'm in Luke 6, verse 35, and we're going to read through verse 45. <clears throat> but, lo but love your enemies... And do good. And lend. Expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. And he continues on. 
Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour into your lap. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So as he's teaching these truths, which seem so far beyond how we normally think and live, he spoke a parable to them to drive home the truth. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained. Let me read that phrase again. After he has been fully trained, he will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck that's in your eye. But you yourself don't see the log that's in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. The evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is, what is evil. His mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Father, thank you for your teaching, for your words. For in this, Lord, you're revealing your heart and your character. And you're showing us what we are called to be. And just in reading through this, Lord, we confess already that we need your help. We need your guidance. We need your strength and your power, and we also need your forgiveness and grace, for we fall short of this. We pray that we would become people who reflect you in our daily lives and our personal relationships. Father, we love you, but that's only possible because you first loved us. And as we continue to celebrate and think about the resurrection of Christ, we're grateful that his life lives in us now. To give us newness of life. And this new life is described in this sermon that Jesus preached. May we hear it again this morning. In Christ's name, amen. See, as I age, one of the most common things that I'm hearing from people who know my dad is that you are beginning to look like your father. <laughs> He's not here today, so I sometimes say, oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> But in all honesty, I love and respect my father, and I, and I believe that to be a, to be a compliment. Um, but anyway, the reason I started off with that is that it's very clear to me as we read this sermon that it's really about the father. 
And the reason we know that is in verse 35 and 36, Jesus makes it clear that he is speaking to us on behalf of the Father, and he wants us to know something about God the Father. In verse 35, he says that if we will love our enemies, if we will do good, we will be what or who? Sons of the Most High. Who is the Most High? God our Father is the Most High. And so when we talk about loving our enemies and doing good to those who are evil to us, it's revolving around the Heavenly Father and and what He is calling us to be. Not only that, but your reward will be great from the Father. So the the song that we heard as children, Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little mouth what you say. Remember why we are to be careful and aware? For your Father up above is looking down what? In love. Jesus is saying to adults that God the Father is up above and he's looking down and he is analyzing and he's watching and he cares and he rewards those who who live as he desires. You'll be like him. He is kind to ungrateful and evil men. So be merciful as your Father is merciful. So I'm taking everything that Jesus says after that, everything that Bryson preached last week, and I'm saying, okay, if we really want to be like our Heavenly Father, that that's what He rewards, that's what He demands, then everything that Jesus connects to that is is how we become merciful like the Father. So the first point I want to make today about verses 37 through 45, which I read Uh, which I read, is that these are the Father's demands. And they are not for some special elite group of Christians. They're not for pastors only, or deacons only, or people who sing in the choir only, or the apostles only. Who were these words addressed to? They were addressed to the disciples as Jesus turned his gaze to them. So now for three weeks we've been given this sermon that that God the Father doesn't just desire of us, but He demands it. And so if you're like me, there's a lot here. And I try to organize my thoughts around some words that I can connect with. So let me this morning give you the four words that I'm going to repeat pretty often. And these words are forgiveness... Generosity, wisdom, and goodness. Okay? Four qualities or four marks of children of God that must be evident, they must be persistent, they must be daily. God demands that that those of us who, who claim and call and desire to be His children be really good at forgiveness, generosity, wisdom, and goodness. Where do you get those? Well, look at verse 37. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardoned, 
pardon and you will be pardoned. What does it mean to pardon someone? It means to set them free. It means to forgive them. So you and I are called to forgiveness, to be forgiving people, pardoning people. But here's the problem. We are naturally harsh and critical. And we live in an angry world. But our Heavenly Father demands that we be forgiving. In fact, the disciples were stunned by some of these forgiveness teachings. And so on one occasion... Sorry. Not only were the disciples stunned, but you're stunned by whatever that is. This was a shocking teaching. And so they even asked Jesus on one occasion, how, how many times should we forgive those who harm us? Seven times? That sounds like a lot. And Jesus said, no. Seventy times seven. Which is not to multiply out to 490, but... Is 70 times 7, 490? <laughs> it is. Just to see, if you're, to see if you're with me. Jesus told them a parable that essentially said you are to be constantly forgiving those who injure you. But here's the rub. As long as you feel superior in some way to the other person, you will struggle to forgive them. And I'll just leave it at this and move on to the next one. That's why Jesus later on told the story of the two men who went up to pray. And the Pharisee looked out at other people and he said, Lord, I thank you that I am not like them. Let's just say that based on the parable Jesus follows this up with, he was extremely blind to his own sinfulness. As long as you feel superior, you'll struggle to forgive. The second word that the Father demands of us is generosity. But by nature, we are selfish. And we're greedy. And this is a discontented world. I say to myself, but look at what they just got. <laughs> look at what they have. I begin to make comparisons. And we reveal through this our envy, our fear, and our insecurity. The Bible tells me with food and clothing I should be content. The Bible tells me to consider my future wealth. The whole kingdom is ours. We are called to generosity. Now the last two words, verse 38 was generosity by the way, give. And it will be given to you. Now, honestly, our first thought on that is financial, isn't it? But if we really look at who we are and the resources we possess, sometimes money is the easier thing to give than my time, my energy, my talent, my emotions, my body. But look at verse 38, it sounds like Jesus is telling us that uh, we need to picture the Father's response to this and go down to the local feed and seed. Because as we become generous, it opens up our heart and life to the generosity of God. And this is an agricultural image in verse 38, where you have this good measure. Now, now listen to this, God is not being skimpy, He's, 
He's pressing it down in the container and he's shaking it so that more can be put in. It's running over and it pours out into your lap. As he commands generosity, he also points to this picture of God's generosity. And I'll get to that in just a second. But wisdom. If you look at verse 39, Jesus' parable talks about blindness and the need for guidance and the need to be taught. Because by nature we are blind and by nature we lack wisdom. But God has called us to wisdom and that is why Jesus, the light of the world and the word of God which enlightens and and, and, and guides us, uh, teaches us and trains us. So I think the parable begins by talking about the wisdom that we need to be able to be like our Heavenly Father who is all-knowing and all-wise. But if you're like me, I am naturally foolish and blind in a world of pitfalls. If the blind lead the blind, they fall into what? A pit. (laughs) And if you're like me, you've been in some pits. If you're like me, it's because of your blindness and your foolishness. You need wisdom. How many of you, for example, have done this? You've been looking for your cell phone while talking. (laughs) Where is it? (laughs) Where is it? I mean, that's just one silly illustration of how we function. And, And we do it in all categories of life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But by nature, we don't know him nor fear him. Goodness? Where do you get that? Well, that's what this whole second half of the parable is about when he talks about the good tree producing good fruit. And the bad tree produces bad fruit. And the good man out of his treasure, which is a good heart, brings forth what's good. And the evil man out of his treasure brings forth what is evil. And your mouth reveals what's in your heart. Whoa. An illustration I've overused. If you want to know how we are not good, but God has called us to goodness, let's just call a time out and over the past four or five days, let's put every thought we have had in our brains up on the screen. And we would have to leave town. Or let's, put, let's, let's play every conversation we've had on our phones or with our friends and family over the loudspeaker. Every conversation. And it would reveal that, no, we're not good. Years ago, we had a guy that we used to call and pick up, and a couple of us would volunteer to pick him up to, and bring him to youth meetings. And I called him one time. I says, do you need a ride for church tonight? He says, he says no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> now, I didn't say this to him, and I probably didn't even think it that Think, think it at the time, but as I think about myself and all of us, we're not good. But our natural instinct is to say, no, nah, I don't, you know, all that you're talking about, no, nah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. But, but the truth of the matter is we're not. And that's why we struggle. Because we live in a world that's by nature corrupt and evil and sinful, and, and we're naturally blind and foolish. The forgiveness and generosity and wisdom and goodness 
that God demands, I, I first have to recognize that I fall really far short of that. Are you with me that what the Father demands, I lack? In fact, where he calls me to forgive, I'm, I'm naturally condemning and harsh. And where he calls to me to be, to be generous, I lock in and I, and I serve me and I take care of me. And where he calls me to be wise, I'm so foolish. And where he calls me to be good, sometimes I'm so evil and corrupt. So one of the things that helps us is to go to the mirror of the word. That's what the whole speck and log analogy is about. We're so focused on the flaws and the petty details that are wrong with other people's lives that we forget about the logs that are in our own eyes. What a master teacher Jesus was because imagine us running around trying to get specks out of other people's lives and we've got these huge logs in our own eyes. It's incredible, isn't it, that we would live that way, bumping into each other trying to help with all these logs. And sometimes we may say to ourselves or to other people, oh, you're talking about me? Have you, have you looked in the mirror lately? <laughs> now, we would never say that, but we would think it. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Now, now spiritually speaking, the mirror that we need to gaze into is the mirror of the Word. The Word is a, James says, a mirror that will show us our true selves. The word is a hammer. It's like a rock, Jeremiah says, that will, that will take those logs and those boulders of pride and selfishness and superiority that we feel and just crush them. And so sometimes we look in the mirror and we say to ourselves, what, what business have I of dealing with someone's dust in their eyes when I've got a plank in mine? So Romans 3, for example, I want to spend just a second turning over to Romans 3, and I want us to see, yet again, who we really are. And I, and I promise you, uh, based on the authority of the Word, that this will help position you to become forgiving and generous and wise and good. It starts here, but if you don't start here, then it, it, it messes up the whole process. This is for me and this is for you. This is who we are. Paul says, are we better than they? Those people you're struggling to give to or forgive? He says, not at all. I'm in Romans 3, 9. We have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Which means none of us have practiced perfectly the words that Jesus says the Father demands. There's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. Oh, but what about me, God? I think, no, there's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They've become useless. There's none who does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips. 
Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. And here it is. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Doing what's right in our eyes rather than having reverence for what God sees and what God demands. I only share this to prepare us to be able to receive the gospel. Because before we can really appreciate the good news, we've got to be confronted yet again regularly with who we are in the mirror in our heart of hearts. I'm not a good tree left to myself, and I don't have a good treasure left to myself. Left to myself, I'm blind. And left to myself, I'll fall into the pit. So the Father demands this because, well, it's who He is. It's who He is. And the ultimate goal is for us to be like Him. And as Christians... If we are maturing and growing, we should be becoming more like our Heavenly Father, who is extremely and aggressively, listen, He is aggressively forgiving. He is aggressively generous. He is actively wise, and He is perfectly good. So our Heavenly Father has these qualities in abundance and in perfection. So let's back up. Why does God call me to be forgiving and generous and wise and good? Because He is forgiving and generous and wise and good. Now everybody experiences this by nature. James tells us that every good thing we experience comes from our Heavenly Father who does not change. He is consistent. He's righteous. He's holy. He is so good to us. But we see this most clearly in Jesus. Because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we can talk about these as ideals and concepts, but Jesus brings it down to earth. Last Sunday, Bryson was talking about generosity. And what other, you know, I think he mentioned somebody paying for his lunch and then he would buy their lunch and then they would pay for his and it was reciprocal. It was back and forth. Man, I sat there and thought, I have had so many meals bought for me in my ministry as a minister. I could never, ever pay it all back. Never. Multiply that by infinity and you begin to get a sense of how generous and gracious God has been to you. And that's very humbling. That's very transforming. But see, for me, I guess I didn't really grasp how generous and sacrificial people could be till it actually comes to what? Paying the bill. (laughs) And writing the check. Jesus says that we will become like him after being fully trained. That's what I need. I need to be fully trained. I need life under a better teacher and master. And that's who Christ is. He's the word become flesh and dwelling among us. So let's work back through these. Jesus embodied forgiveness. Even to his enemies. So if you want to know what the Father demands. And if you want to know what it looks like. 
go to the cross, go to his whole life, but we don't have time to review his whole life. That's there in the Gospels. Go to the cross and see Jesus saying to his enemies as they murder him, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Has there ever been a clearer, more powerful statement of forgiveness? And that's us. Jesus embodied generosity. Even to the wicked and ungrateful. Bryson mentioned last week, he washes the feet of Judas who will betray him. He's consistently kind to wicked and ungrateful men. Have any of you ever read The Giving Tree by Chev Silverstone? Am I saying that right? It's a children's book that I've read through the years. I didn't pull it out this week to review it, but I thought about that book in relationship to giving and generosity. The tree loves the boy, and essentially the tree continues to give through the childhood years, the teenage years, the adult years, through all the flaws, failures, and changes that people go through, the giving tree gives so much, there's absolutely nothing left in the end. And the, the man sits on the tree. And as a father, you begin to comprehend that. But imagine what God the Father must feel who has been so generous to give and empty himself of all but love. Jesus embodied wisdom on behalf of the foolish and blind. Think about Peter and how foolish and blind he was at times. Lord, this shall never happen to you. Man, but Jesus kept giving him wisdom and guidance along the way. Bearing with him. And forgiving him and restoring him. And of all his blindness and foolishness. That's just one example. Jesus embodied goodness to those who were evil. The reason I ask Alan to read Psalm 1 is that I think Jesus is the good tree. <laughs> planted by the water. Drawing life and giving life. From the Heavenly Father. I think the biggest understatement ever spoken about Jesus is that he went about doing good. He was good. Nothing but good. He did everything he did good. He does all things well. He was the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And everybody else who had come before him were nothing but robbers and thieves. So here's what I'm saying. When you read Luke 6, you're reading the life of Jesus Christ. If the Father demands those things, Jesus fulfilled those demands perfectly. So Jesus was perfectly forgiving. He was perfectly generous. He was perfectly wise and perfectly good. And so we should say to ourselves, that's what I need. I need that score on my paper. Because what God demanded with this quiz called life, I failed miserably. I want his score. He got 100. He got an A+. And so that's what we've got to grasp. Okay, so Jesus did all that he did in order to fulfill the righteous, just demands of God. 
He became sin for us so that we might become righteous in God's sight. So God looks at my life and he counts me in Christ as forgiving, generous, wise, and good. That's the good news. He also did this to atone for my sin and pay my debt. Who's going to pay for my lack of forgiveness? Who's going to pay for my lack of generosity? Who's going to pay for my lack of wisdom? Who's going to pay for my lack of goodness? I told you I was going to repeat those four things over and over. Jesus pays the debt for us not being what the Father demanded. But there's more than that. He did this all because of love. Where did this flow from? What was the reason? It was because he first loved us. And that's not all. There's more good news. He did this in order to empower us to be changed, to be like him. Ah, so now you're talking the full gospel, not only to save us, but to transform us. So the reason God did what he did in Christ, the reason the Father demonstrated these things, was so that I could be saved and changed and transformed to truly become and increasingly become a more forgiving person and a more generous person and a wiser person and a person who bears good fruit. But let's be clear, none of this would ever be possible left to ourselves. As Roman 3 clearly shows us. So the Father demands these qualities and then he demonstrates these qualities. And here's the kicker. He does all of this because he delights in these. Now we're back where we started. So in general, a father encourages the things in his children that he loves. For example, that's why Bryson's got Charlie this morning. And you may hear, he's in church. <laughs> because Brooke and Bryson love the church. But you might also see Charlie in Atlanta Braves gear. Why? Well, Bryson's brainwashing him. <laughs> and setting him up for a lifetime of misery. <laughs> but that's another story. I've done this with my own sons. Why do they love Georgia football so much? It's, it's no accident. It's no secret. I delighted in that, and I ingrained that into them from the very beginning. It's what we watched every fall. They saw me act crazy and cheer and get sad and get down when they lost. And so it's, it's, it's obvious why they love, they love eventually what we love, Right? God loves, he loves being generous and forgiving and wise and good. That's why Jesus said he, de- he delights in these things. Uh, Jeremiah 9, 22 and 23 says that God delights in being merciful and gracious and compassionate. He's not up there saying, gosh, I hate to forgive them again. He's not like us, thankfully. Now, because he delights in these things, uh, Jesus said some very important things about these qualities. God's pleasure and favor rests upon people who strive to and practice to be like him, depending upon Christ. I'm reiterating, your reward will be great. 
And oftentimes we think, as, we, as everything with us revolves around money, we begin to think about the... Now, when, when God promises blessing and rewards, oftentimes that includes financial and material blessing and prosperity. But more often it is the better things of life, like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. The relational side of life, the spiritual side of life, He promises your reward will be great. The flip side of that is that you will not be judged. You will not be condemned. You will be pardoned. You will be given to abundantly. We're studying Ruth, and Ruth exhibited this godlike love. And at the end of that book, it basically says that God rewarded her abundantly, more abundantly, with his love in response to her faithful love. That's just a side example. According to verse 40 here, we will be like our teacher. Well, who is our teacher? It's Christ. All of us had wonderful teachers and coaches and we emulated and modeled things in them that we, that we valued. But look at Christ. If you're fully trained, you'll become like him. And then apparently you'll be able to help others. Because you're not helping others as long as you've got logs in your own eyes. In fact, this is a statement I made to myself earlier this week. We are not being helpful while being hypocritical. Our logs are getting in the way. Rather, we come across as petty, insulting, and offensive. As I said earlier, you've got a log in your eye. Why are you talking about my specs? But after we get the logs out of our own eyes, then what? Then we can become very helpful. And we do. So then you can bring forth good fruit, not rotten food or toxic food, with good words that can bless and feed the heart and mind of other people. James warns us clearly here. He says, speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty, for judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So what James is saying is that the reverse of all this is true also. If we are judgmental, greedy, foolish, and evil, if we are judgmental, greedy, foolish, and evil, we should expect the opposition of God and of others. Our relationships will suffer greatly. If we will not live from His kindness and with His kindness, we will face His severity. Did that make sense? So I don't know about you, but if God delights in these things, then I need help. I need a new nature. I need a new heart. So here's my question. How can the tree become good? How can the heart become good to bring forth good words, good treasure? Well, I think he gave us a wonderful illustration in the parable. If the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the pit. So if I recognize that I'm a blind man, what can I do as a blind man to find guidance? I need a friend who can see. <laughs> now, I've been inspired in the fall down at Franklin at the Heard County football games uh, uh, with a, an illustration I'm about to give you. 
man named Benny Lassiter. Some of you may know Benny Lassiter. He's a Heard County guy who's from here, been here. Some of you have seen what I'm about to describe. He has a friend named Wayman Jones who's been blind, legally blind for many, many years. And at high school football games, I've seen Benny Lassiter walking Wayman Jones by the hand up and down the steps, up into the bleachers, walking him to the concession stand, walking him back to the car, driving him home. I talked to Benny Lassiter about this this week, just happened to run into him. And I says, is, is Wayman really blind? He says, he's legally blind. He can't see a thing. And I started thinking about this. If I, now, 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 the reason all that happens is that Wayman Jones knows he's a blind man. <laughs> and Wayman Jones has a really good friend. And this friend, he has trust in him. He listens to him. He clings to him. He walks behind him. He puts all faith and trust in him, and Benny Lassiter leads Wayman Jones not into pits, but to places like football games. Now, what you and I need is to first recognize, by nature, I'm blind. And what I need is a friend that I can cling to, listen to, submit to, Obey and trust who I know will not lead me into harm, but will lead me to life and health and joy. So when Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into the pit. What happens if someone comes to lead that blind person, but not just to lead them, ah, but to lead them and give them sight now, that's what we have with Jesus. So here's my connection. We need to walk with the one who is in the light. If I walk with Jesus, I will be walking with forgiveness. If I'm walking with Jesus, I will be walking with generosity. If I walk with Jesus, I will be walking with wisdom. And if I walk with Jesus, I will be walking with goodness so the only way that I can embody what the father desires is if I abide in Christ if I cling to him listen to him hear his word worship with his people learn about forgiveness and wisdom and generosity within the the context of the local church I hear the sermons I sing the songs I enter into the prayer meetings I engage with all that Christ is then I can become what the father created and saved me to become now let's be honest we have many opportunities every day to demonstrate these qualities but you'll ultimately know what's in your heart by what comes out of your mouth. So if I'm walking with Jesus and he's helping this blind man begin to see, then there are some things you should hear from me. These, these kinds of words. When it comes to forgiveness, 
you should hear from me things like this. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? You don't owe me a thing. When it comes to generosity, you should hear me say something like this. Is there any way I can help? Is there anything I could do? That's generosity. When it comes to wisdom, hey, can you help guide me through this? Is there any way I can guide you? Hey, I've fallen into those pits before. Let me help show you the way out. Well, what would God have us to do? And last, in goodness, you should hear things like this. God loves you. God cares about you. God sent his son to die for you. God raised him from the dead to live in you. We would preach the good news to ourselves and others every single day. This is both encouraging and convicting. But essentially put, God demands these things. He's demonstrated these things. And he delights in these things. And if you will delight in these things, you'll experience the delight and the favor of the Father. Lord, thank you this morning for your word and for your words. Thank you for your generosity, for you are a good heavenly Father. And you have sacrificed and given so much that we do not and did not deserve. In fact, Father, we deserve the opposite, but you've given your Son and yourself, so may we be grateful and humble and worshipful and impactful in the lives of others. But Lord, may we first examine our own hearts and examine ourselves in light of the mirror of the Word and, and there repent and receive your grace and forgiveness. Let it begin there, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I found a friend. Amen. What a friend we have in Jesus.
through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Never, never leave me, by faith and do his blessed will. Around me, I have nothing now to fear. With his banner, he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory, I'll see his blessed face, where rivers of delight shall ever roll. He's the lily of the valley, the morning riding star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Amen. Hey, that song reminds us that we shall safely reach the goal because of our friend in Jesus. We shall be like him. That's the ultimate goal and promise of the life of the disciple, the believer in Christ. That's good news. That's good news. Hey, uh, today is Braden's birthday. Yes, she told me. Let's sing happy birthday to Braden. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. Bless you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Amen. Sunday school's at 10 o'clock. Uh, Catherine, why don't you close us? I close out with singing thank you Jesus again and out the night thank you Jesus thank you Jesus because you're alive because you're alive because you're alive I live hope you have a great week